Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Dollar Dogs and Beer podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. Um, I do want to apologize for the uh, late release of the episode this week, guys. Uh, for some reason, we had a lot of uh, technical issues with the beginning part of the episode when we recorded it last Tuesday. So I'm re-recording this section now. Um, we'll hopefully have this all cleaned up for the episode on next Tuesday. Um, and without further ado, we're going to jump ahead into what are you drinking tonight? All right, so uh, let's get started with what are you drinking tonight? So, Jason, what do you got tonight? Yeah, tonight I have a, a Dogfish Head Sea Quench Ale. It's a session sour. It uh, has uh, lime and sea salt in it, so it's it's really good. It's one of my uh, favorite beers. It's a good sour, which is fitting since I'm pretty sour about the Phillies week this past week, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Joe, what are you drinking Drinking a uh, Miller High Life, um, not in tribute to the Phillies sweeping the Brewers this time, but um, when you win six out of seven last week <laughs> and eight out of your last ten, I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty good. So yeah, you should be. And uh, tonight I'm drinking from uh, Lancaster Brewing Company a Blue Trail. It's a uh, lemon blueberry shandy. Um, Jason, I know you like the uh, Line and Kugel lemon shandy. This is a lot like that with blueberry in it. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I've had the Blue Trail before. It is really delicious. All right, so let's get started with the what will be the quickest session of the night, the uh, Braves, because like I said, we only played three games last week. So uh, they started with a split in Boston. Uh, Pablo Sandoval had a successful return to Boston. He went in the first night, he went three for four. He scored a run. Charlie Morton pitched really well. He went seven innings, three hits, one run, which was unearned. He only walked two, and he struck out nine. Dropped his season ERA down to 3.98. Um, he didn't start the game all that well. Uh, he allowed six of the first eight Red Sox hitters to get on base, and then he wiped out 13 straight batters. You know, that always helps. Uh, Boston starter Garrett Richards, he had won four straight decisions before Atlanta knocked him out in the sixth. Will Smith got his eighth save to uh, end the game. Um, with Pablo Sandoval, he was booed every time he came up to the uh, plate. His uh, his last time in, in – uh, excuse me, not Chicago, in Boston – he did not play well, so the uh, Red Sox fans were not only not happy to see him back, but they were not happy to see him back and successful with somebody else. That sounds like pretty typical Boston fans, if you ask me. Um, in the second game of the miniseries, uh, Snit unfortunately kept Drew Smiley into the game for one inning too long. Um, his stat line through five innings, he had allowed three runs and two hits. Unfortunately, it was in the sixth inning, everything kind of came apart. He gave up back-to-back -back singles, and then there was a wild pitch. There was an infield single to Bogarts because Riley wasn't able to get the throw to home plate in time to get Verdugo out. Then Devers, who traditionally hasn't hit lefties that well, surprisingly, um, he figured out Smiley. He uh, hit an RBI double. He had a two-run homer earlier, earlier in the game. So the problem Smiley's had all year has been the long ball. That He has now allowed 13 home runs this season. That's tied for the major league lead. Um, Atlanta did manage to have the lead twice in this game. They couldn't hold on to it. Riley hit a homer. Contreras hit a homer. Albies had his third triple and a stolen base and an RBI. And then there's also a two-hour and 53-minute rain delay, which I, that's that's going to screw everybody up. Um, I you know I don't like it when the umps let it go that long. If it's going to be that long, you might as well just call the game. If it's been, you know if it's been enough innings and all that, so. Um, and then the Braves went to New York, but of the three-game series, they only got to play one game because of all the rain this past weekend, and uh, they got their butts handed to them on a silver platter. 
Um, Ian Anderson did, was not able to repeat his success versus the Mets. He only went four innings. He gave up seven hits, four and runs, one walk. I mean, he did strike out six, but, you know, he gave up two solo home runs in there. Um, the Braves' offense was held silent. They only had five hits. They gave up two errors. Um, Heredia did have a double. Ozzie had the one RBI in that game. Um, here, you know, here was the thing. The Braves' pitching in total just did not show up in that game. Eight innings, 13 hits, 13 runs, 11 of them were earned, three walks, 12 strikeouts. The Mets, on the other hand, they went nine innings, five hits, two earned runs, five walks, 13 Ks. I mean, it was enough walks. Atlanta should have been able to take advantage of that, and they just didn't. But that said, I, it was one game. It was supposed to be a three-game series. I mean, it sucks to have games like that, but you can't really, in my opinion, draw too much from a single game anywhere during a full MLB season. Yeah, and, and looking through the, the Braves this week, um, the thing that you mentioned about uh, Devers hitting uh, his double after not hitting lefties too well, uh, Devers has been on our list lately as far as one of the hottest hitters. So I think this is just kind of a continuation of him being very hot at, at the plate. Um, he, he's seeing the ball really well right now. And then um, my big disappointment about the Braves Mets was not so much the fact that the Mets absolutely rocked the Braves, but for me, it's the fact that we missed out on a on a great opportunity for Sunday Night Baseball with Degrom and and Freed pitching. Uh, that was going to be such a fun game to watch, and I'm pretty bummed that we actually didn't get to see that this week. Yeah, I was really excited for that one. I that I think I actually mentioned it last week that I was setting aside everything on Sunday night to be able to watch that game. And, yeah, I was a little disappointed that they weren't able to play it. Uh, Joe, did you have any thoughts from the Braves this week? Um, I think, you know, Morton put a, put a great game together against Boston. Um, Morton's got 67 strikeouts this year, 57 innings pitch. That's a, that's a pretty good – ratio there for him um it's tough when with smiley allowing almost as many homers as acuna has all year it's just not going to get it done uh, for him yeah and the braves getting a split against boston is actually big um looking at the records and looking at how everybody has been lately um aside from the rays the red sox were kind of the hottest team in baseball almost so um uh not as hot as the rays but for any team to take a game in that series is big. Yeah, I wasn't upset with the split. <coughs> um, I actually had predicted last week that they would be swept in the miniseries, so I was overjoyed to come away with the split. And actually, you know, for a while there, like I said, in that second game, it looked like they might have been able to hold on before the wheels came off on Smiley. And, you know, Snit said coming back out into that inning, he said he didn't even have an inkling that Smiley was about to implode that badly. And, you know, he had, other than the two solo, the two home runs, you know, Smiley had pitched pretty well up to that point. So you don't expect to pull the guy after five innings, but, you know, it that's just what happens sometimes. Yeah, it's real hard with, with some of these pitchers. It's like, okay, do you let him go? Do you, do you pull him? We've seen some times where they pull a guy and then the bullpen just blows up. And then we've seen times where they leave the starter in that next inning and the starter blows up. So, I mean, it's just yeah. – a matter of how it bounces. And I think that that Red Sox series, we've talked about Devers some, but that entire Red Sox team, the week before they played the Phillies, I was watching them mm -hmm. play the Blue Jays, and they were just so – they're just seeing the ball tremendously well as a team yeah. and really patient at the plate. So, I mean, that, that's really paying off for them. 
Yeah. I mean, and then going back to Smiley here, it's not so much that the wheels came off. I think he had some some bad luck that kind of started a, a few things in motion, and then he kind of got unsettled there after those two singles. I mean, he went into the inning with, um, you know, two hits, but he gave up those two singles. Okay, nothing major. But that wild pitch followed by the infield single – there's not much a pitcher can really do with that uh, aside from the wild pitch. But I mean, like even like the, the infield single, there's not much you can do. You put a good pitch on it and it just kind of dribbles out there. or has just an infield single um, that just kind of, those two things I think kind of set that in motion for, for smiley where it just started to rattle him after that point. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, it's, I, I feel like maybe I'm a little off base here. I feel like we've had the Braves in particular, some of their pitchers just can't get out of their own heads this year. An error happens, and then it seems like they can't catch back up with it. We've talked about it with Mitter a couple times and um, with Smiley. You know, I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, John Smoltz back in the 90s, he actually, um, Bobby actually sent him to see a sports psychologist because Smoltzy could not get out of his own head. And um, in his book, he actually credits the psychologist for helping, you know, him be, be able to focus better, you know, not let little things bug him, not let it nag on him. You know, I wonder if that's something the Braves ought to look at for uh, Minter and Smiley. Yeah, and I, I agree with you about the New York series. I don't think you can take much off of that one game yeah. with the Mets. Uh, I mean – Anderson having a rough day. I mean, Anderson's ERA is three two seven. His WHIP is one two five, and his you know his batting average against is two twenty nine. I mean, those are good numbers for overall for for how he's doing this year. So I mean, I don't think we can take too much out of that one game. It would have been nice to see that Degrom Freed game on Sunday, but um, yeah, I really wish we would have seen that. Um, Jason, while we were talking, I did pull up Devers splits this year: righties versus lefties. Now, uh, he played appearances. He is heavily favored against righties, uh, 145 versus 64 played appearances. But the average, he is almost 20 points lower against left-handed pitching, um, 12 home runs for against righties versus two for lefties, um, 14 doubles versus three, 37 hits versus 15. Yeah. yeah. It shows that he's just kind of hitting the ball well, uh, that he could have that type of a night against Smiley with that double. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's starting to click a little better for him. Um, we had some upsetting news over the weekend as well. Um, on May 28th, Marcelo Zuna was arrested and charged with felony assault after he choked his wife and threw her against a wall. Um, this was actually from police witnessing this. Um, quote, they witnessed the suspect grabbing the victim by the neck and throwing her against a wall. In addition to the strangulation attempts, the suspect also struck the victim with his arm, which was which had a cast from a previous injury, the uh, the um, fractures in his hand. So uh, my assumption here, MLB is going to throw the book at him. He's probably going to be suspended for a long time once the investigation is complete. Um, the Braves are going to be converting his contract to non-guaranteed if they haven't already. Um, uh, you know, I initially in our group chat said, you know, I don't want to see him back out in a baseball uniform ever again. I hadn't realized at the time that he also, one year prior, his wife had also been arrested and charged with domestic battery against him. So it's still not right, not definitely not right, 
but at the same time, it, it, it sounds like the two of them needed to go their separate ways a long time ago and just haven't done so yet. And, you know, I mean, I hope everybody's okay coming out of this. I hope they all get the help they need. Um, but I, I'm going to be surprised if we see Marcelo Zuna suit up again this year, maybe even next into next year as well. Yeah, and I was wrestling with this as as somebody who is is a fan. Uh, the Phillies are, uh, they currently have a Dubal Herrera as their center fielder, um, who uh, was arrested for domestic abuse, um, served long suspension, reinstated. Uh, Phillies had released him or designated him for assignment. He was in their minor league system at their alternate site. Um, and he's now pretty much their starting center fielder. He's been hitting well. He's been uh, fielding well. Um, and I'm torn. It's nice to see him being productive for the team. But I still kind of wish that he wasn't on the team at the same time. Just because it's, it's one of those... Playing a sport is a privilege, and doing something like that, that privilege should absolutely be taken away. Uh, we know for a fact that if any of us three did something like that, uh, we'd be in prison. We would be losing jobs, things like that, and I don't see why a baseball player should be any different. So um, I personally think it's a matter of throw the book at all domestic abusers. You know, there, there's no... No, no excuse for it, whether it was uh, you were a victim last year to this year, you know, there's just no reason, no excuse for it. So I personally would say just throw the book, complete ban. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't have too much to add. I agree with you guys. It's it's terrible to see it. And I can kind of see what you're saying, saying Jason, about Herrera. Um, you know, it's nice to see him play well, but should he even be there? Yeah, um, I, I would agree and say no. I, I mean, if, so. if we're having the kind of debate we have about Pete Rose all the time, not that, not equating the two, obviously, but if we're having a debate about gambling with Pete Rose for the next 50 years, you know, we should be obviously discussing this a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like if there's, ever, if there's any off-the-field incident, I mean, we're going to put gambling aside on this because of baseball's history with it. If there's any one single off the field thing that you can do that should absolutely be looked at as a potential for life ban, I think domestic abuse and domestic assault would be a pretty damn good thing to pick for that. Yeah. Um, so the uh, Braves did announce that double headers to make up for the two missed games are going to be June 21st and July 26th. So uh, a lot of games coming up for the Braves to, uh, um, to make up for all of that. All right, uh, Jason, how about the Phillies? Yeah, uh, let's let's go down that rabbit hole, shall we? <laughs> um, so Phillies continued their, their road woes and their Marlins woes. Uh, they did manage a split this week, um, going two and two in Miami. Um, game one, uh, you have a, a Dickerson breaking a tie with a two-run triple in the sixth. Um, Marlins did have 12 hits, which was their highest total since May 4th. And, uh, Zach Eflin did not look good. Uh, he, he looked okay, uh, going six innings and giving up three runs. Uh, but the bullpen kind of showed, uh, their ugly head and Kinsler got, uh, 
rocked, uh, giving up four runs in only one-third of an inning. Um, Phillies did manage to try and come back in the ninth but by getting four runs, but they did fall just short. Game two, um, Alcantara had the Phillies number pretty much the entire game. Um, the only big thing for him was he gave up a two-run homer to Hoskins in the fourth inning, uh, which was – all the Phillies needed. Uh, Velasquez was pretty solid. Six innings pitched, uh, gave up three hits only. Phillies bullpen went three innings pitched, gave up uh, two hits. Uh, so in this great pitching match, that the two-run homer by Hoskins was all the Phillies needed for their two hits and winning the game 2-0. Uh, game three, um, John Birdie out of nowhere. Two-run single in a three-run eighth inning, which uh, gives the Marlins a comeback win. Um, Birdie, uh, had his first RBI in 20 games and 62 plate appearances. Nola pitched well for the fills going six, uh, giving up two hits and one earned run. Um, but Kunra kind of, uh, blew it there in the eighth inning. Um, but the main story here was the Phillies offense didn't get anything going again. Uh, you have to capitalize on these, uh, games when you get good starts from your, from your pitchers, especially in a season where, Nola has been up and down. You have to capitalize on one of his good nights. And then uh, the final game, uh, we were just talking about him. Adubel Herrera uh, was the hero, uh, basically. He uh, threw out Diaz at third uh, from center field, uh, had the double in the fourth, let off the ninth with a triple and scored the tie-breaking run on a uh, Ronald Torres comebacker. Um, so... Uh, Good win for the Phillies there. Uh, Miami starter Pablo Lopez uh, did have his 13-inning uh, scoreless streak broken by a Reese Hoskins home run, who uh, something to keep uh, an eye out here uh, is Hoskins is starting to heat up. Uh, he's been hitting the ball really well this last week. So um, I'm excited about Reese going forward here. Um, Phillies did get the win, even though they walked nine Marlins hitters. And uh, – Spencer Howard didn't get out of the fifth inning. Uh, he didn't even record an out there. He went four plus, uh, two hits, one earned run. So uh, kind of a typical Philly series there on the road and against the Marlins going two and two. Uh, probably should have gone three and one. Um, Phillies have then went to Tampa and played the Rays. <coughs> they had a two-game series there, and – I, I called this ha happening last week. Um, we didn't get the chance to talk about, but in my predictions, I had the Phillies getting swept by the hottest team in baseball in the two-game series. Um, uh, even though Wheeler did pitch in the first game, he 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 did okay. Um, he he went seven innings, gave up four hits, three in runs, which uh, to me is like you know for Wheeler is like that's okay. Uh, which is really hard for me to say considering how with how dominant he's been otherwise. But he's maintained his dominance as well, though. He had 14 strikeouts, saying a career high. Um, but Austin Meadows uh, had the two-run homer off of Wheeler in the first, had a tie-breaking RBI single in the eighth, and that kind of did it for the uh, for game one. While the Phillies uh, struck out 16 race hitters, Phillies also ended up striking out 15 times on their own. Um Game two here, uh, the Rays uh, got home runs from Mike Zanino and Brett Phillips. Uh, not much to say about this game. Uh, it was a 6-2 win, so pretty 
clear dominant win. Uh, Rays are now have now won 15 out of their last 16 games. Uh, Philly, in the meantime, my guys, they've lost eight of their last 11. Zach Eflin uh, seems like it was probably his worst start of the season, or at least one of one of them. I uh, went uh, four and two thirds, six hits, four earned runs. Um, Phillies did get ten hits, but they couldn't get their runs in because the Phillies only went two for eight with runners in scoring position and eight runners left on base. Good news for the Phillies, though. JT Real Muto is back. Uh, he got a sacrifice fly uh, in that game, so it's it's good to see him back. Hopefully, he starts hitting again soon. Um, other injury updates. Um, Bryce Harper, he is able to be reinstated and come back from the 10-day injury list tomorrow. Um, it looks like that he will not be playing in the finale on Thursday against Cincinnati. Uh, Girardi has said that most likely they're going to wait until they come home to have him play. So uh, this weekend you're probably looking at Harper coming back to the lineup. He's been hitting he's been hitting uh, offsite. And uh, Didi Gregorius is still down. Uh, he was on the 10-day injury list, uh, able to come off uh, last week. Um, he's fielding, but he's not hitting yet uh, due to that elbow uh, inflammation. So Phillies uh, are still hurt on the injury front like most of our division is, but uh, getting some guys back soon, hopefully. Um, there was also the Roman Quinn injury on Saturday, too. Um, yes. Heard his Achilles in the fifth and uh, – on Sunday, Girardi said he's done for the year. Yeah, he uh, ruptured his left Achilles. And as, as much as I've bashed on him in the past, because I, I don't I don't think he is the player that the Phillies are looking for, um, he ruptured it coming around third base, um, stumbled, like hopped and then stumbled, and he got up and basically hopped to home to score the tying run in that game. Um, and then collapsed and the team had to carry him off the field. Um, so I have to give him major props for finishing that play, getting that run in and can't help but feel for the guy. He he's constantly coming back, getting hurt, coming back, getting hurt. And, and his injuries aren't what I call light injuries. I'll put light in quotation marks there. He, he pulls hamstrings, you know, hurts quads and things like that, and then ruptured his Achilles. It ma- it made me think instantly of Ryan Howard. Isn't this the second time he's had an Achilles injury? That I'm not sure. I I just uh, he okay. he's so fast to the point that when he when he runs like if if he lunges does something like that he, he it just pulls the muscle and ah. Uh, God love him. I, I just feel so bad that he he can't stay healthy long enough to be a factor for the team. Yeah, I think he was I saw he was leading the team in triples. I think that's you know mm-hmm. that that's clearly showing and I, I agree with you, showing that kind of heart, knowing that you're you obviously did something bad and, and yeah to be able to finish and, and get to the plate. I mean he's one that if he lays down, if he lays down a bunt, you may as well just put him right at second because he's going to beat out that bunt and he's then going to steal second base. Right. Um, so definitely, that definitely hurts. Um, ho- the good thing for the Phils though is Herrera is playing well, so hopefully he can bear the brunt of the responsibilities now moving forward. Yeah, looking at your series as or your week as a whole, I mean, another Marlins matchup, another Alcantara locked in and just has having control. I think it's, it's 
he, he just seems to, to really be locked in this year, I think. That, that Alcantara game was incredible. Mm-hmm. How often do you see a guy go eight innings, give up two runs, utterly two hits. dominate, shut down the opposing team, and lose? Two runs, two hits. Uh, we were kind of coining this term a little bit here. We keep, we're starting to call it being degromed, and he absolutely was degromed. Uh, but, I mean, Velasquez, you know, he continued his – his strong performances. I, I know uh, uh, last night he got rocked um, in Cincinnati, um, but barring that start, uh, getting rid of that start, he's been dominant and he got the two hits that he needed and one was a big fly. Yeah. I have to say Hoskins can uh, keep hitting home runs when they're not playing Atlanta because uh, he is currently my first baseman in fantasy baseball. Uh, he just had an RBI double while we were chatting here. Wonderful. All right. That's going to look good for me this week. Hoskins leads every major hitting category except for walks, triples, and stolen bases for the Phils right now. I mean, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. He's 265 average, yeah. 31 ribbies, 11 homers. Yeah, he's definitely stepping up for the loss of Harvard Real Muto. Yeah, and, and, and the big thing for him is they, they've changed hitting coaches, uh, new managerial style. He is for the last couple seasons. When he, if you remember, when he first came onto the scene, he was bashing. Like he had like thirty some home runs and not even half a season again uh, when he came up. Um, and the last uh, year to two years, um, prior to Girardi coming in and and gaining uh, the new staff the focus was so much on statistics on that team that it was all about uh, launch angle and exit velocity to the point that he was trying too hard to create that angle. Now he's just swinging the bat and he's taking the ball the other way and he's hitting the ball far. Yeah, he's definitely looking good. All right, Joe, I know you've been uh, chomping at the bit to talk about this uh, fantastic week the Cubbies have, so take it away, bud. Wait, wait, I I thought, aren't we skipping the Cubs this week? You know, after that blooper play Sunday, I think Joe would actually smack us with beer bottles. (laughs) And rightfully so. Go for it, Joe. Yeah, um, (laughs) the Cubs finished out May, a 19-8 record in May. Uh, They were 11-15 or 12-15 coming out of April. Um, so they went from worst to first. They were five games back at the beginning of May. So um, a good turnaround in general. Um, and a lot of this the last couple weeks with 13 guys currently on the IL or unavailable. Um, Rizzo just came back today. Um, Hayward's been out. So, uh, nice to see what they've been doing. Uh, Jock Peterson game one against the Pirates. Um, a sweep that I it's hard for me to pick the Cubs to sweep a team because I just know there's usually one game that something doesn't go right. Uh, but Jock Peterson is is proving me right. I think uh, two home runs in the, in the first game against the Pirates. Um, Arietta beat him for the third time this year. Um, Arietta went five five hits three runs two of them earned one walk and seven strikeouts. I'll take it. Um, the bullpen really shut the Pirates down the rest of the way. Four innings, two hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. Um, and, and the bullpen is just insane at this point. Um, with Kimbrel in particular, I mean, Kimbrel is now up to 12 saves. Um, 
after after the weekend against the Reds. So, um, Pirates bullpen also pitched four shutout innings after Ponce came out, but it was it's kind of too late at that point. Um, Nico left the game in a sixth. He tweaked that hammy. That that looked like a nasty injury. So I don't know how long he'll be out. Um, I'm hoping that they get him back before the Cardinals, but that's not likely. I don't think. Um, Trevor Williams with game two, he went six strong innings, um, against the Pirates there. Three hits, one earned run, seven strikeouts, no walks, two singles from the plate. Um, Pittsburgh had five hits total in that game. Brian is, Brian is Brian. He's on fire right now. Uh, slash line is 324, 406, 611, 1016 right now. I'll take it. You're still overrated. Uh, <laughs> 60 hits on the year, 15 doubles, um, and, and a 2.7 war. So, you know, you take him out of the lineup, the Cubs lose almost three games without him. So that's fantastic. He's been able to stay healthy. That's been huge for them. Um, Javi is being Javi. He's, you know, he's, I think he had three home runs in the last week or so, 36 RBIs. So he's, he's getting a lot closer you know Bryant and him are kind of competing for a lot of the top numbers um yeah will will crow for the the pirates just didn't last long in that second game um five hits three runs you know inning in a third on 49 pitches so it's just not going to do it for pittsburgh um and the cubs are one of the benefactor of that um you know, game three of that series, I, I hate the fact that the Cubs play day games because I wish I had seen this a lot. Um, this play, it's been all over the internet for the last week now, um, where Javi draw, you know, takes – he's running the first on a, on a crappy hit to third. He should be out, uh, and he baits Will Craig into a uh, – um, stupid rundown and you're watching this video and you're just like, what, what's he doing? Uh, but Javi being Javi baits him into a rundown back to home plate for whatever reason. There's two outs, mind you. Um, Wilson Contreras scores from second on a ground ball to third because of Baez being Baez. Um, you, you know, at, Baez being Baez calls Wilson safe at the plate along with the umpire and still makes it the first on time and then gets to second on the throwing air. I mean, you know, they play a day game and I don't get to see this live and it's all over social media. I'm like, what the heck just happened? And I watch this. It's just hard to imagine someone being so goaded into something with two outs in the inning. Yeah. And that's just the thing is there were two outs. All Craig had to do was step on first, and the Touch inning first. is over. <laughs> yeah, and even if you don't, like, you get baited into the play at the plate, throw the ball back to first, Javi gets out, and the run doesn't count anyway. And it's yeah. just everything that could go wrong for the Pirates went wrong for the Pirates. I mean, that was their season in a nutshell in that one play. I mean, they just, you know, they got shelled by Atlanta before we said it. If your offense needs a kickstart, play the Pirates. It'll get your offense going. I, I I think one of my favorite things about that was watching Javi Baez 
like go safe, move, doing his arms, and then you see that that quick flash of like the light bulb where he's like, "Oh, oh no. no, I need to get down to first. and then he just takes off and runs down to first. Uh, that to me made the entire video uh, where he just runs back, goes safe, and is like, "Oh crap, bye," and then runs off to first. Um, just. <laughs> such a crazy play and it didn't have to be crazy is the thing <laughs> like isn't that why before every play in little league the coach has the team call out two outs plays to first just to prevent this sort of thing from happening and but i mean even in the majors players are, are supposed to be yelling back to each other like they you see them look at each other you know put the signs up as to how many outs there are so how I don't even know what was going through Craig's mind at that time, but that, I mean, we talk about getting to Grom. Like, I feel like a play like this now is like, you just got pirated. Yeah. I, I think we can read out that to the lexicon. That's uh, pretty fantastic right there. Y'all been buckoed. Yeah. And the thing is like, that was all crazy. And that takes away from Hendricks having another fantastic outing. He went seven innings. Six hits, three runs, and five strikeouts and no walks. I mean, that's a fantastic pitching line, but all we're talking about is a goofy play at, at home in first base. I mean, who gets caught to a rundown back to the plate? There's always a play to first base. I mean, we talk about sliding head first into first base, but we never talk about not even going to first and running back to home. You know, I it was back in the uh, I forget it was the late 1800s or the early 1900s. There was a uh, there was a player who was trying to get his. I, I don't remember the players. I don't remember the teams. He was trying to get a successful hit and runoff. He stole second. The batter swung and missed. The next play, he stole first again. So the batter had another chance to hit and run. Stole second, hit and run, was successful, and he scored. He scored on the hit and run. You know, that's why MLB had to make a rule specifically stating you are not allowed to steal first base. Uh, and that's actually something that the Atlantic League, uh, which is a non-affiliated baseball, for those of you that don't know, it's um, the it's an independent league that is trying different rules for Major League Baseball. Uh, just the other year, uh, I don't know if it is still a rule or not, but they had it where on a wild pitch, uh, if – First base is open, and you want to try and run to first, you can. But if the throw beats you there, you're out, and your at-bat is over. So uh, some players went through with it trying, and some and some didn't. But uh, I don't think it really stuck. Yeah, and I, I I should clarify. I think the rule is that you're not allowed to reverse steal or run backwards yeah. after obtaining the next base. So, but anyway. So yeah, that was a that was a good start to the week for you, Joe. Yeah, I, again, I'm not one to pick a sweep for for the Cubs in particular, and so to, to get a sweep against the Pirates, separate we desperately needed, because um, the next two weeks are going to be pretty rough for them, I think, as far as just the competition they're going to be playing, not necessarily the records, but um, and then they continued that into the weekend against the Reds. Um, Azalei won. A 1-0 game in game one against the Reds. Not his best outing, five and two-thirds. Um, five hits, three walks, six strikeouts. Um, he's been really good at getting them out of jams um, when it looks like, you know, when, when Rossi lets him pitch in jams, 
he gets out of them pretty well. So I'm impressed with his ability to do that. Um, he's got 51 strikeouts this year. Uh, so he's he's finding the strike zone pretty well. He's locating pretty good. Um, you know, the Reds were 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position and left 10 runners on. You leave that many runners on base, you're not going to win games. Um, you know, we saw that a little bit with the Phillies, I think, last week where I think they had almost, you know, 8 or 10 guys on and they just didn't get them through. Um, so leaving guys on base and walking guys is just not a recipe to win games. Um, the Reds pitchers held the Cubs hitters to three hits and three walks. Um, Bodie muscled out a solo homer uh, on a windy day at Wrigley, so it doesn't take too much to get that out. Um, just get it into the jet stream coming off the, going towards the lake and you're good. <laughs> um, so, you know, and then Kimbrel is Kimbrel. Um, he's just automatic right now. Um, 36 strikeouts this year, 962 for the career. So he could get close to that thousand mark before the year's over. I bet he gets it. It's pretty attainable, yeah. I think. Um, his ERA and his WHIP are the same, zero point eight two. Um, and twenty two innings pitched so far this year. So Kimbrel mm-hmm. is locked in, and he's he's lights out when they get it to him in in the ninth right now. Yeah, um, can argue with that. Um, game two, Cubs won ten to two. Um. And the best part about this is the only extra base hit was a solo homer from Ortega, I think. Um, and that's, again, with, with the injuries they've had, that's fantastic to kind of manufacture runs as opposed to relying so much on the long ball like they have with um, with Baez and Bryant. Um, Reds pitching has just been terrible, I think, last week or so. Um, you know, Gave up 13 hits, walked six guys. Cubs, again, with runners on base, you're, you're hitting almost 500 for a game. That's that's going to win you some games. Um, Peterson, again, I, you know, I don't think a lot of Cub fans were psyched about him. I was psyched about him. He's been proving to be a real good um, asset for them this year. Sogard's a utility guy. He had two RBIs in that game as well. Ian Happ. Um, Baez Davies, I think, aided his own cause a little bit in game two there um, with the, with an RBI as well. Um, Cubs offense on Sunday um, just just wasn't really much there. Um, Mail for the Reds went five innings, one hit, no runs, one walk in eight Ks, and Arietta got rocked after pitching so well against the Pirates. Um he, you know, three and two thirds, six hits, five runs. Two of those are earned, so that just tells you the infield didn't play and the defense didn't play well behind him. Four walks, three strikeouts. Um, Cubs bullpen, regardless of them being hurt, has been pretty good, and so they were able to kind of hold. Um, and Castellanos on Sunday had, you know, his streaks now sixteen games for the Reds as a hitting streak. Um, Trevor Williams, who pitched pretty well against the Pirates, is um, on the IL with appendicitis. Uh, Hayward and Marisnik on the injury front hopefully are back this weekend. I think they're going to play a game or two in Iowa here uh, toward the end of the week and then maybe get there the weekend. So, uh, yeah, 8-2 of their last 10 and 19-8 and eight for May. I'm 
feeling pretty good right about now. I don't know if that'll continue. They've got a rough stretch the next two weeks, but um, it's been a fun ride so far. Yeah, you should be pretty happy with all that. Um, the big thing, I mean, ignoring the fantastically hilarious blooper, the big thing for me, that 10-2 to game, that they scored 10 runs with only one extra base hit. I mean, I love watching a team that's able to manufacture runs, manufacture offense, move on the base paths, play smart baseball. I love to watch that. I'd rather watch that. Than, well, okay. I, I enjoyed watching Atlanta hit six grand slams in May, which incidentally was tied for the uh, – most grand slams in a single month in major league history, but it's, it's fun to watch baseball like that. Watch some of the small ball. Definitely. All right. So um, uh, Jason, did you have anything else for the Cubs this week? No, I think uh, the big thing here is uh, they're at the top of the standings in the NL central now. So uh, that's, that's big for them after the way they started. Uh, they really were in the cellar, and they have slowly made their way back up, and they're now at the top of the list. So, and and Joe, something to something that should hopefully give you a little glimmer of hope throughout the rest of the year. Nineteen ninety five. It wasn't the team that had the humongous bats that won the World Series that year. It was the team that had the best pitching. And yeah. right now, the Cubs pitching is on fire. I wonder who that is that Andrew's talking about. Gee. He only brings that up for one reason and one reason only. <laughs> well, I mean, Jason, did you guys ever have a big four that could match uh, Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, and Nagel? Uh, I would argue now they didn't do it, um, but I think uh, the closest comparison that I could think of would be uh, Halliday, Hamels, Oswald, and Lee uh, back in uh, 2011. Yeah. Um, they, they, that was the that was the starting rotation that was talked about across all of baseball to the point that Joe Blanton had to be like, I'm still here guys. <laughs> I did uh, feel for Blanton that year because he's not a bad pitch. That opening, that opening press conference where they had all of them there and they were talking about all four of them and all four of them were like, you know, we have a fifth starter too. Right. And, and Joe's like, yeah, remember uh, a couple years ago, I hit a home run in the world series. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, um, no, I, I would say the closest for the Phils would, would be that year, which uh, did end in disappointment like most Philly seasons have. Um, that was the uh, Ryan Howard uh, ruptured Achilles in game five of the NLDS against the Cardinals. one uh, nothing loss. Uh, it was, uh, I believe, Wainwright versus uh, Halliday. So not much you could do with that. but No, that's um, so true. But, yeah, so that would be the closest, I think. All right, so looking at some of our other local teams, uh, the Orioles, they haven't won a game in a very long time. They are on a 14-game losing streak. This is their second longest losing streak in team history. They actually had a 21-game losing streak back in 88 where they actually lost the uh, first 21 games of the season. They are currently up 6-2 to two in the sixth against the Twins. Uh, two outs, top of the sixth. Twins have two runners on, so... Yeah, they Keep might an eye on it. that one. They might break it tonight. Um, this is the longest losing streak in the major since the Astros lost 15 straight in 2013. You know what? Just because of that, I hope they win tonight so the Astros still hold the long, the most recent longest active you know, losing streak. All right. The Nationals, they, they had a bad week. They lost two or three to the Reds. Um, and sadly for them, those games that they lost were pitched by Scherzer and Strasburg. 
Um, then they got swept by the Brewers. All of these games were at home. You know, they they need Cincinnati's bad. They should have taken two or three in that series. And, uh, you know, I can understand losing to the Brewers. The Brewers are they're streaky, but when they're on, they're on. Yeah. Um, they've yeah, and they got a rough week coming up. They've got they hit the road. They go to both Atlanta and Philly, and I have a feeling that it's not going to be a kind reception for the Nationals on the road this week. Nationals are currently up after four, six to one against the Braves. They did lose last night, though. Yeah. Yeah, and looking at um, the Nats a little bit, I mean, Scherzer's ERA is two thirty four. The next closest starter is a five four, and that's Joe Ross, and then Corbin is six point two three. It's yeah. just not going to get it done for them. Um, you know, Trey Turner is his slash line is three hundred three four ninety eight eight forty six. I think. So yeah. I mean, he's he's a bright spot for them, but it's just not enough when you have to score five six seven runs a game just to give yourself a shot at winning, you're not going to win that much. Well, no. Joe and I were talking about this on the on the drive over here tonight. The Nationals have, ever since Harper left, they have not been built as an offensive juggernaut team. They have been built as a defense pitching first team that's supposed to hold the other team down while, mm-hmm. they can, while their light hitting gets them a couple runs here and there, and that's all they need. Unfortunately, yeah. as their pitchers of age, they're not able to keep holding that down, but they haven't improved the offense at the same time. Yeah, and th- that World Series championship team um, for the Nationals, it, it wasn't the they they were hitting in that series, but the pitching was absolutely shut down against them against the Astros. You know, I still love the meme that somebody made afterwards, though, that said uh, we saved uh, five hundred million dollars by switching to Eaton. <laughs> for the year after Harper left, but that was pretty good. And then um, for the Mets, they had a four and one week again. They didn't play most of their games, just like Atlanta, because they were playing Atlanta. Um, they did go three and one versus Colorado. Um, the two games again against Atlanta, they got postponed. Now Degrom, he did manage to get a no decision in one of his games. He went five innings, three hits, one earned run, well striking out nine. Uh, very bright piece of news, though, for the Mets. Kevin Pillar was activated from the I.O. on Memorial Day. Uh, that was great to see him out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, looking at DeGrom, he won last night. Um, they they were up 3 nothing when he went out, and then they ended up winning the game. I think it was 6-2. to two. So, yeah. finally, the bats have yeah, showed runs. up for the Mets. <laughs> I guess with Weird. DeGrom on the mound, uh, ERA point seven one, eighty two strikeouts. 0.57 whip and his batting average against is one two nine. Uh, Good grief! The big question I think for the Mets is: Are they are they getting their return on investment with Lindor? I mean, right now he's hitting one ninety eight, and he only has eleven ribbies. He's just not producing for them. Uh, the Mets have been down too with a lot of guys hurt. Um, Alonzo is finally back, and he's leading most offensive categories, and he's been out for about two weeks. Yeah, so they're just not really getting what they bought with Lindor. Yeah, no, definitely not. And they gave up quite a few assets in that trade to get him too. So, yeah, you know, they've got to be thinking, really, this is what we're getting now. And I do think Lindor is going to turn it around. I, I do. He's too good of a player not to, but you know, every time a pitcher or a hitter changes leagues, you know, it takes a while to get into the groove of the new league because you're facing a whole different set of hitters, whole different set of pitchers than you, had played and Lindor had been in Cleveland his entire career up to that point. So, right. you know, a lot of change all at once. So, you know, like I said, I think he will pull 
pull out and get a little better, but it's yeah. Yeah, definitely not what the Mets wanted so far. Yeah. Um, before we move on here, Andrew, uh, just one quick thing to note. Uh, we do have a milestone that was just reached. Um, Ooh. Aaron Nola just struck out his 1,000th batter. Wow, fantastic. Career, so. Excellent. Good job, yeah. Nola. All right. Well, everybody, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everybody. All right, so um, other big series from this past week. Um, the one I was really watching was uh, San Francisco and the Dodgers. And uh, San Francisco took three out of four in the series. The biggest game for me was that game on Sunday. Kevin Gossman, as in former Braves, got released because he was horrible or a trade. I don't remember, but he was – when we got him from Baltimore, he pitched well, and then the next season he was terrible, so we got rid of him. Freaking Kevin Gossman is now 6-0. He went six innings, two hits, and struck out seven. He didn't walk anybody. Kershaw, six innings, seven hits, five earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts. His season ERA is up to 333. Where the heck was this Gossman when he was in Atlanta? That's my first question. And uh, second question, um, <coughs> how long are the Giants going to be able to sustain this level of success in the NL West? I don't think it's too very long, to be honest with you. I think at some point, I know you guys have been talking about it a lot. Kapler has had early success and then fallen apart as a manager through the rest of the year. So I don't see them maintaining it, um, you know, but they, they're beating up on each other enough as it is. So you never know. Yeah. I mean, San Fran took three out of four from the Dodgers. Uh, I think the best team in that division is San Diego. So I think you're going to see uh, Kapler's Giants do kind of what you saw the Phillies do over the last uh, couple of years when Cap uh, before Joe Girardi came in last year. But you had a couple of years with Gay Kapler where the Phillies jumped out big, up big at the at the end of the first half of the season, and then they just fell off. Uh, there was no drive to the finish, um, and, and I think a lot of that started at the top with uh, Kapler. There, statistics can only take you so far. Analytics only work for so long before uh, you need to really do some managing. Um, so I, I do think that eventually you're going to see the Padres and, and the Dodgers take the uh, top two spots there. Well, and you know, the, the great debate between um, statistics and sabermetrics versus the eye test and the old school scouting reports, I think the best organizations are the ones that look at everything and figure out the happy medium. I don't. I, I think teams that go too far one way or too far the other generally don't tend to do as well. I don't really have any objective data to back this up because I don't. I saw an article a few years ago that showed um, like how each team was. Were they high saber? Were they high traditionalist? You know where the cut down was. Where they had their staff money spent. But you know that article's a few years old. And the teams turn over pretty quick. So. Um, I'd be curious, to, you know, if uh, somebody would do that article again. I'd be curious to see where teams were five years ago, where they are now. Yeah. Um, one uh, series that I was kind of looking at this week uh, was, uh, speaking of the Padres, the Padres uh, were playing the Astros this past weekend. Um, Padres took two out of three. Two out of those three games, actually both that the Padres won, ended up going to extras. Um and uh, I think one went 11 or 12 innings, and the uh, Padres ended up tacking on like seven or eight 
runs in the top of that inning to kind of pull away. So uh, that was a really fun series uh, to kind of keep track of watching the uh, Padres and Astros kind of go the distance and then some. And, you know, it, I wasn't sure we'd see any games get as far as 12 innings this year with the new extra innings rules. So that's pretty impressive that teams were able to keep that runner in second under control to get to the 12th inning at all. Mm-hmm. How about you, Joe? Any uh, big series for you this past week? Not particularly. I mean, I kept my eye on on how the Cubs would do against the Reds coming off that, that series with the Pirates, but um, I didn't watch a ton of baseball this past weekend. I, I think Kershaw, you know, the numbers look on un, Kershaw-ish lately, I guess, would be the word, um, but I think he's really um, having to adapt as a pitcher now. He's not going to throw 98 the entire season and sustain it. He's going to be more of a control pitcher now a finesse pitcher now so i think it, the the five the five runs scarier the three walks and the era is a little high for him but you know seven hits over six innings you know if it weren't for the five runs they'd probably be you know scattered hits and he's kind of figuring out how to pitch differently now yeah i was surprised by the three walks actually because that's that's pretty atypical for kershaw he usually has had good control with the power Mm-hmm. You know, you expect the hits to go up as the as the velo goes down over the years, but usually, if you have the accuracy, the accuracy usually stays. So, um, you know, I'm curious if he's just in a rut right now. You know, like Aaron Nola had one of the worst Mays he's probably ever had in his career. I wonder if Kershaw has just had a rough first two months and he's going to completely turn it around the rest of the way, or you know, if it's going to be otherwise. So, you know, I guess we'll see about that. Um, we also had the uh, uniform reveal for the White Sox. They had their City Connect uniform revealed. It is a dark gray, although I, I have to say on TV, I, I think it looks black, but it is a dark gray. It has silver pinstripes. Um, also, the pants are also bl- that dark gray with the silver pinstripes as well. Um, on the front, it has South Side. As I, I have to note that they did a, that as one word, not two words. I know if you're not a grammar phobe, you probably don't really care. But it should be noted that that should have been two words. Um, so they did it as one word across the front in a Gothic-style font. The font actually looks pretty cool. Um, this was from the White Sox press release. Quote, the design of the uniforms is intended to represent the hardworking nature of the south side of Chicago and the identity of the team's fan base. Um, the uniform has a stone-like pattern that's supposed to be connected to their um, architecture and the Gothic font is supposed to represent their hip-hop culture. The cap is a black cap. It simply says CHI in Gothic script. Um, so what do you guys think about these uniforms? I like the hat for the White Sox TV. <coughs> I thought that was kind of nice to do something simple, um, but different at the same time. Um, the the Gothic-style font, I'm getting used to seeing the S we all drew on book covers for our entire young life all over their uniforms. Um, But it's a sharp look. It's probably the, the Marlins one was good, but I like this one so far of the, of the three that we've seen. Okay. Boston and the Marlins. All right. Jason, what do you think? I thought they were okay. Um, They're not my favorite. I am. I actually think I like, I prefer the Marlins. Um, I think the Marlins style suited the, uh, the demographics of the Miami area more so than Chicago's does. Chicago's just seems like a 
darker version of their current uniforms. Uh, just changed the name and the script a little bit. Um, so I mean, they're not bad, but I, I don't think that they're my favorite at the moment. So the thing I really liked is that they didn't try to go with white pants. I think if they would have gone white pants, it would have completely ruined the uniform. Yeah. Keep keeping the dark gray the whole way down through with the pinstripes. I think that looks sharp. Um, the one thing I didn't really, I didn't actually care for that stone texturing in it. That's supposed to represent the art, the, uh, uh, the architecture. I think if they would have just done the Gothic script <laughs> and just done that, <clears throat> I think that would have been fine. Um, as far as uh, Miami versus Chicago, I like Miami's a little bit better. Again, you know, I think Jason likes it better because it says Marlins for the first time all season. Um, Years. <laughs> yeah, I too. Um, I, I just liked it a little better, and I think it. Re- I do think it represents the cultural identity of the city a little better. But these are not bad. Honestly, I, I've been impressed with Nike's um, with their City Connect uniforms so far. I really thought <laughs> I thought they were going to be kind of dumb like they did with with the NBA and were they called City Edition this past year or whatever. I, I wasn't impressed with most of those. Uh, these though, I like so far. Um, and then there was a major league milestone <laughs> that was hit on. Um, that was hit on Saturday. Uh, Minnesota Twins third baseman, also former Braves third baseman, and uh, Oakland and Toronto as well. Uh, Josh Donaldson, the bringer of rain, scored the two millionth run in MLB history. I think it's incredible for a game where runs are scored one at a time that the game is played long enough that we can have the two millionth run scored. I also appreciate the uh, Atlanta trolls on Twitter that were pointing out that that technically should have been the 1,999,999th home run since, as we all know, a bomb still hasn't touched home plate except for the uh, one single. According <laughs> to the score, though, he did. <laughs> yeah, but as we pointed out in a couple episodes ago, replay isn't very good in MLB either. Um, so I, 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 that's, I mean, that, that's got to be a cool milestone to hang up on your wall, the 2 million yeah. run score. All right, so um, something we all decided to take a look at now that we're around the quarter point of the season, uh, our picks for AL and and NL MVP as well as AL Cy Young and NL Cy Young. Uh, Who wants to go first, Joe? Uh, Yeah, let's start with the NL uh, Cy Young because I think this is um, something that's going to be pretty interesting to talk about. Um, I think the easy pick is DeGrom, but the other option I thought of was – uh, Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals. Um, he's eight and one in eleven starts right now. Two point nine ERA, sixty seven Ks, and his WHIP is one point zero three. So he's having a really good year for them. Um, Degrom is Degrom. Um, I mean, his his stat line is insane at this point. And if he had not been out for two weeks, I don't know just how much different it would be. So. Yeah, I actually picked DeGrom for my pick for NL Cy Young so far. Um, the record's not the best. It's 4-2, and two, but as we've pointed out pretty much every episode, it, the Mets don't score runs for DeGrom. So you can't, the record's not completely his fault that he only has four runs. Um, his ERA is a minuscule 0.71. He's got 82 strikeouts and a whip of 0.57. He's not letting runners get on. He is dominating hitters at the plate. Um, 
like I said, I know the record's not there, but DeGrom also won the Cy Young a couple years ago with like 17, 18 wins too, because he was just that dominant. And I think that's going to continue as we go along. So uh, Jason, I can, I have a pretty good guess who you're picking, but go ahead. Yeah. For, uh, I, I usually don't like to go with the uh, hometown or my favorite team here, especially if I do feel as though that there is somebody better. Uh, that said, for the NL Cy Young, I am throwing Zach Wheeler's name out there. Um, 3.1 uh, wins above replacement, uh, 4-2 and two in 11 starts, 2.52 ERA. Um, he does have the complete game shutout, 92 strikeouts, uh, 0.93 uh, whip. So um, I, I know uh, DeGrom's numbers at the moment are are better. Um, I would like to see for, for me right now, it's, it's the, it's the missing starts. Um, I, I think the missing starts right now are, are potentially going to hurt him, but if he takes out the rest of the year and keeps the numbers as are, I think the ground will definitely win it. Um, but at the moment uh, at this quarter point, uh, I'll probably throw Zach Wheeler out there as your NL Cy Young. It's hard to argue with him. He he's really been a bright spot for you guys, particularly the last few weeks when your offense hasn't been there. But he's just been lights out most of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you know, we look at the the Rays game where he ended up taking taking the loss. He gave up three runs, but he got no run support. Um, so I, I think looking at the games that he's pitched in, like his no decisions, he's he's Definitely up there as far as uh, best pit, one of the best pitchers in the NL at, at the current time. Yeah, absolutely. I, you're not going wrong either way with, I think, any of those three picks, actually. Um, I You want to point out missing starts. DeGrom only has three less starts than Wheeler does with an identical record. So, <coughs> you know, and as we pointed out, win and loss is not really the necessarily always going to show the best pitcher because they don't control – they can they'll control the losses by allowing by run scored, but they can't control the offense. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I, I would like to see with those next three starts. You know, what does that ERA amount to? Um, what does he do strikeout wise? What does he do whip wise? So, um, I think it's I think it's going to be a good debate for the rest of the year. I th- I, I don't think like in years past where it seemed that Degrom ran away with it. I think there's going to be a bit more debate so far this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there will be more debate. Um, something I just noticed from his last start, um, he opened the game with 10 100-mile-an-hour pitches and then ended the uh, inning with a slider because he's Jacob DeGrom. Does anybody else have stuff like that other than maybe Garrett Cole in the AL? I can't think of anybody else who's, at least as a starter, who's quite explosive. I know there's that one guy that if he can manage to control it, he has that like 101 mile an hour sinker from a sidearm yeah. slot, which is I, to me still doesn't make any sense how that's possible, but yeah. Um, one other thing here uh, for uh, Zach Wheeler's case, um, he has had three straight starts with 10 or more strikeouts, yeah. um, which uh, I believe he was the first Phillies pitcher to do that since Kurt Schilling. Um, and, wow. and Schilling has it been, uh, with the Phillies since uh, early 2000s, when he went over to the Diamondbacks, that's uh... so. So that's so that's a big accomplishment for Zach Wheeler to have uh, 
three straight 10 plus K uh, outings. I don't think I'd realize it'd been that long for the Phillies. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. All right, let's look at AL Cy Young. Um, I'll go first this time. I picked uh, from the White Sox, uh, Carlos Rodon. He's having a great year. He's got a 5-2 and two record, a 1.98 ERA. He struck out 80. He's got a whip of 0. 0.82. Um, he has been everything the White Sox were hoping he would be this year to ace their staff. Um, and, and he's going to be around for a long time pitching like that if he doesn't get hurt. I, I've been very impressed every time I've seen him pitch. Yeah, Rodon is, uh, like you said, he's pitching fantastic. Um, for me, I, 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 this is kind of making the case for on the win-loss record side of things. Uh, John Means from the Orioles has just been great, and it's such a shame that he's on a team that's so bad. Um, his ERA this year, 2.05, 68 strikeouts, 0. .80 whip. Uh, 173 batting average against 70 innings pitched. Um, for the, the for the worst now. team in the AL East, you know that's he's the big bright spot for them. He does have a no hitter. Um, I think Rodon has one as well. Uh, for the White Sox. Yes, I think Rodon had yeah. one as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so. For the record, Joe, the Orioles are the worst team in the majors. Period. Right now, they yeah. the Diamondbacks are two games ahead of them for the worst team. That that makes John Means's uh, no hitter even more impressive in my mind. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely, to, to pitch that well and get just enough run support that you need, and have the defense actually hold up is so impressive. And it's also funny that we couldn't even remember that Rodon uh, had the uh, no hitter as well. There's just been so many no hitters so far this year that it's hard to keep them all and uh, keep track of them all. Yeah, Andrew and I were driving over and we're like. There wasn't a no hitter this week. Like we feel like we've been gypped for the first week all season with no no hitter. I mean, it's it's impressive. But too. you know that that said to a friend of the show, Dave Gerhardt, uh, I've got the Utro jersey on tonight, bud. So uh, somebody's getting no hit tomorrow. <laughs> um, and uh, so speaking of no hitters, uh, I'm going with a guy who I, I think uh, very possibly uh, in the year of the pitcher can end up having one this year uh, if this cards fall right. And that is uh, Garrett Cole for the Yankees. Um, to me, he's the obvious choice right now. Um, six and two, uh, 1.78 ERA, 97 strikeouts, 0 0.835 whip. Um, and I think right now it's it's that win-loss record that, that's kind of giving him the edge over uh, Rodon and, and John Means. Um because, I mean, we're talking, you know, ERAs are similar, Ks are similar, uh, whips are similar, but Cole's getting the run support, and I, and I think right now those those wins are kind of giving him a little bit of the edge. Yeah, and I, these are three excellent pitchers that I think uh, any team would be so overjoyed to have on their team if they, you know. And it's a guy that you hate to see on the uh, lineup card. Oh, wait, we have to face him tonight? Okay, well, we're not scoring a lot tonight, probably. All right, so uh, let's go to the – since we're just <coughs> um, AL Cy Young, let's do the AL MVP. Um, Jason, who do you got? Uh, I went with uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, I was looking at Shohei Otani. Um, I decided to go with Vlad. Uh, 2.6 wins above replacement, 16 home runs, 42 RBIs. Uh, 
323 batting average, 430 on base percentage, 1.065 uh, on base plus slugging. Um, so he he is lights out right now. Um, and, and for me, what does it? Um, not so much the home runs and the RBI, but the batting average. Um, the 323 batting average is astounding, uh, especially for a power hitter who can be all or nothing. So um, at, at the moment, I, I think Vlad Jr. is the AL MVP. You're not going to get any argument from me on that one. It's fun to watch him play, um, the passion he brings to it. Um, he's everything you know, average in power as a hitter that I want Javi Baez to be, if Javi Baez could stop chasing sliders off the plate. Um, which will never happen. But, yeah, you really can't argue with Vlad Jr. He's just having a fantastic year, I think. Yeah, Vlad Jr. was my pick as well. I, I think AL MVP is probably the easiest of these f- four spots to pick. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the big thing that drove me away from Shohei Otani for this, I mean, he does have 15 home runs, 40 RBIs, but his average is down the 263 right now. Um, and, you know, I know batting average isn't the best way to determine the best hitter, blah, blah, blah. I know that. But I feel like an MVP, you have to be hitting at least 275, 280 to be in that contention if you're a power hitter. Yeah, and, and the thing is, when when we're looking, especially at this point in the season where numbers are so close, you need to find that one number that sticks out above the rest. And, and at the moment, you know, you said 15 home runs. Vlad has 16. Not a big difference there. 40 RBIs to 42 RBIs. Again, not a big difference. So where where does Vlad stand out from Shohei? And it's that batting average. And that's also why I picked Vlad over J.D. Martinez, too, because J.D. Martinez is hitting lights out to his average. I think he actually leads the uh, AL in batting average right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he doesn't have the power numbers that Vlad has. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll end with the NL MVP. Um, I did go home where I did go with Ronald Acuna Jr. His average is down after his incredibly hot start. So he's uh, slashing 283, 380, 618 right now. He's tied with Vlad with uh, 16 home runs, only 33 RBIs because a lot of his home runs have been solo shots. Uh, The numbers aren't up there like they are with Vlad, but the reason I picked um, Acuna is because He's such a transcendent player, and he is absolutely sparking Atlanta's offense like nobody else. And now that the other players are starting to heat up, he is able to cut back and you know come back down a little bit. He doesn't need to keep hitting 350, 400 to produce any offense at all for Atlanta. So um, I know the average isn't quite up as high as it was, but uh, – you know, his work in the outfield is fantastic. He's got the speed on the base path, which that's something, it's one of the few things that he has that Vlad doesn't have. Otherwise, he's you know, pretty well balanced both ways. But, uh, you know, I was hoping he was going to go 40-40 this year, although I don't think that's going to happen. He's going to have to get a lot more stolen bases before that happens. All right, who do you got, Joe? Um, hard for me to do it since I called him overrated at the beginning of the year. But – uh KB, Chris Bryan, has been everything that the Cubs have needed him to be since they won the series, and now he's finally healthy enough to be that player. Um, right now, uh, uh, 324 average going into tonight, 36 ribbies, um, 15 doubles, which was, to me, the big thing. Mm-hmm. Not only is he hitting 12 home runs, but he's hitting a lot of doubles, and, and he's he's seeing the ball real well. 
um, 60 hits so far this year. Um, you know, he's hitting for everything that we want him to hit for. Um, and so, again, you're still overrated. <laughs> but um, he, he is having the, the year I was hoping he'd have. And now that you said he's overrated, he's going to go off even more is what you're hoping. Yes. <laughs> that's that's the that's the trick. I say somebody's overrated, and hopefully they uh, continue to produce. Well, in that case, uh, Cooney's overrated too. <laughs> Joe, can you tell the Phillies that they're all overrated? <laughs> I mean, Jason, here's the problem. Joe said that three weeks in a row. True. It hasn't helped it's yet. True. I, I think you need to find another jinx to get the uh, Phillies yeah. rolling again. Um, so I, th- I did like your picks. I ended up going with Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, for my pick for NL MVP at this point. Uh, 2.5 win above replacement, 16 home runs, so he is tied for the major league lead there. Uh, 37 RBI, 299 batting average, 383 on base, uh, 7.08 slugging for a 1.091 on base plus slugging. Um, he's leading the league in or tied for the lead uh, in multiple categories, including home runs, stolen bases, slugging, and on base plus slugging. Um, so I, I think what kind of gives him a, a slight edge over um, uh, Brian and Acuna at the moment, um, I, I think, again, you're kind of looking at the batting average, but you're also looking at the uh, overall slugging, I think, is just dominant right now. Um, and he's also been, yeah, you know, we were talking about, you know, the clutch factor uh, for Acuna. Slam Diego, baby. Uh Acuna has been, uh, or excuse me, uh, Tatis El Nino El Nino has been just clutch uh, when when uh, pods have needed him. So uh, yeah, I'm going with uh, Tatis Junior. Yeah, and Tatis is really, uh, you know, he's he's getting it done on the base pass as well, which mm-hmm. is something that Brian and Acuna and I maybe not as much do. As far as stealing bases, so fourteen attempts, uh, twelve stolen bases, caught stealing twice. Yeah, it's not bad. I'll take pretty those good odds. success rate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll take those odds. I mean, and that and that sets your team up for the success. Then, I mean, if right. if you're getting him on base with singles and he's able to take second with the way that that team hits, mm-hmm. you're going to get him in most of the time. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think the reason we haven't seen Acuna run as much as he has the last couple seasons, I think one, Snit realizes that he's too important to lose by jamming a finger, stealing a base. And two, after he had a couple of those nagging injuries earlier this year, Snit doesn't want to risk tweaking a hammy again or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think he's just telling Acuna, hey, you know, if you get on, if you have the opportunity, go for it, but don't try and press. All right, so now let's look at some of our uh, top-hitting performers from this past week. Um, I had three for this week. I had Austin Meadows from Tampa Bay. He had a 304-448-870 slash line. He collected seven hits, scored five runs, two doubles, a triple, three homers, and 10 RBIs. I also had um, Evan Longoria from San Francisco. He had a 391-417-870 slash line, nine hits, five runs, two doubles, three homers, 10 RBIs. And uh, Jose Abreu from the White Sox, who had a 375-483-708 slash line with uh, nine hits, four runs, two doubles, and two home runs, and 10 RBIs. Well, all three of my guys had 10 RBIs this week. That doesn't happen too often. Um, did you guys have anybody else in your top hitters for this week? Um, 
a name that I kind of kept going back and forth about. Uh, he didn't really have the average this past week, but he was getting the RBI. Uh, he's definitely starting to heat up in general. Uh, is Reese Hoskins uh, on the fills. Um, he averaged basically an RBI a game over the past week. Um, and he's heating up. He had some big home runs in, in Florida. And uh, it was actually funny. He was mic'd up uh, for one of those. And he uh, got a little amped on his uh, homer against, I believe it was against Alcantara. And uh, said a couple of things that were bleeped out. And he had later on, he was staying on first. And I forget it was on, at first for the Marlins. But said, hey, it was pretty cool that you're mic'd up, you know, for your home run, right? And he goes, yeah, it was cool. Probably said some things I shouldn't have, though. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> so, uh, that was, you know, you I don't know, that was just a lot of fun. Um, you you but, hit a home run off a guy like Alcantara, as good yeah. as he is. I think I'd be a little amped up and say some naughty words, too. And it was, he, he was really amped because it was right after he was knocked on his on his butt, uh, and he got up, as, as he was getting up, he goes, it's like, once a game this happens? And then he just unloaded. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think Reese had a really good week this past week. Uh, uh, not as good as as the three you have listed. That those would be my top three for the week. Um, but he is definitely starting to heat up. How about you, Joe? Um, I, I can't disagree with any of them. Really, I think uh, Longoria will be a key piece for them if they're going to maintain where they're at. Um, Abreu for the White Sox. I, I think he was out for about a couple for a couple of games a few weeks back, and he's really not missed a step. So I think. You know, he's continuing to produce, and, and that's great for them. That's going to be key for the, the White Sox going down the, yeah, and that's, the stretch here. That's huge for the White Sox. Um, you know, uh, reigning AL MVP, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, I mean, you get your reigning AL MVP back. Uh, he's starting to get hot. He needs to pick up the slack where losing uh, Eloy and and Robert are, are out. So. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, this is setting up what should hopefully be a really good north side, south side interleague battle this year between the Cubs and the White Sox, too. I'm excited for that. Yeah, in the last few years, it hasn't been that fun to, to watch that, that series. So hopefully this year will be a lot more fun um, to watch. And I think, you know, Meadows is probably one of a few good hitters for Tampa Bay right now um, yeah. on the role that they're on. But you can't argue with those three for sure. Yeah, I mean, Meadows chewed up the Phillies pitching this past, in that two-game miniseries. I mean, he's been chewing up everybody, but I was, I mean, I was really impressed with what he did in that miniseries. All right, so uh, my top three pitching performers from this past week. First one, I was uh, Brandon Woodruff of the Brewers. He went 2-0, 14 innings pitched, only gave up five hits, no runs, two walks, 18 strikeouts. That's a 0.5 whip. I also had uh, Lucas Giolato from the White Sox, 2-0, 13 innings, 9 hits, 3 runs, only 2 of which were earned. He had 3 walks, 17 strikeouts. That was a 138 ERA and a .92 whip. And uh, Kevin Gossman, he went 2-0. He pitched 11 innings, 7 hits, 2 walks, 16 strikeouts. He didn't give up a run, and he had a .82 whip. Um, what do you guys think? Any other uh, good pitching performances for you guys? Those guys just have had – a really good week. I mean, that's a fantastic couple weeks for a lot of guys. So mm-hmm. um, I think Giolito on top of Rodon, Lynn, and um, there's another guy I'm thinking of at the moment uh, for the White Sox. They're going to be crucial along with their hitters going down here 
I mean, we're only a quarter of the way through, but if those guys can stay high and maintain it, uh, John Cleese is another pitcher that they have that's half decent when he's left to his own devices. Um, so, I, I mean, if they can maintain that, that's that's a good week for him on top of what Rodone's already doing. Yeah, I, I mean, those three were the clear three as far as the pitch performances for this week go in my mind. So Yeah. All right, and I had uh, – these were my top six teams of the week. I had the Cubs, the Rays, the Red Sox, the Mariners, the Brewers, and the Giants. Those were uh, my six hottest teams over this past week that I would not want to meet in a dark alley at midnight. <laughs> yeah, it won't end well for me. Yeah, um, I mean, especially your, your top two or three there, uh, Cubs, uh, Rays, Red Sox. Uh, Rays, you know, winning 15 of 16. They're, they're easily the hottest team in baseball right now. So um, Giants had a big week, you know, taking three out of four from, from the Dodgers. Um, yeah, the, especially those top three, uh, Cubs, Tampa and, uh, the Red Sox. Well, and absolutely. Remember, and remember, not only did they take three or four from the Dodgers, they took three or four from the Dodgers in LA. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's hard to do. LA is known to have a really strong home field advantage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I also thought, um, I mean, the Mets, I know they only played five games last week, but they're going into tonight five and one in their last six. So they're putting some pieces together, putting some wins together. Yeah. That's the only reason I didn't put the Mets on. They just, with having two games canceled, you know, I mean, and the team they beat up on the most was the Rockies. And let's face it. I think the only team, the Rockies would really not get beaten by right now are the uh, Diamondbacks and the Orioles. So. All right. And maybe they won't get swept by the Tigers like the Yankees did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's baseball, right? You come in, you're this great team, and then, you know, sometimes you just run into a scrappy little team that has your number for three games. Uh, you know, I know Baltimore's hoping that scrappy team turns into them sometime soon, and I kind of hope it does too. I do like the Orioles. And if nothing else happens to the Tigers this year, they had a no-hitter and they swept the Yankees. That's that's a good season for them in the last few years. <laughs> to have that a quarter of the way through, That's that's – Good for them, at least. One shining moment, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't argue with that. Oh, sweeping the Yankees into no-hitter. Oh, I could only dream of it. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to hop back into the previews. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, we're going to take a look at the upcoming week for our uh, three teams. First, for the Braves, they have uh, Ford home versus Washington. Um, pitching matchups are Morton versus Ross, Freed versus Strasburg, Smiley versus an unannounced starter, and Anderson versus Corbin. Um, my takeaway for Atlanta, Washington is reeling right now. They went one and five last week. The Braves need to jump on them, and they need to take at least three to get some momentum going into that series with the Dodgers. Uh, any other thoughts from you guys? No, I think you've hit the nail on the head. we got to mm-hmm. see what – take advantage of Washington being down. Yeah. yeah. That's how you win. You got to beat the bad teams. All right, and then Atlanta finishes the week uh, three versus the Dodgers, an unannounced pitcher versus Urias, Morton versus Kershaw, and then hopefully Sunday night doesn't get rained out again because we have another fantastic Sunday night baseball matchup: Max Fried versus Trevor Bauer. I'm really looking forward to that game. Um, my big keys, the Dodgers bullpen hasn't been shut out like it has been in previous years. Kershaw's looked more mortal than he has in years. We've already touched on that a few times. 
our offense, they need to be opportunistic and the bullpen needs to minimize mistakes this week. I think the starters will, even though, um, Oh, I'm sorry. No, Smiley's in the Washington series. Never mind. Um, I think the starters will be able to hold up pretty well against uh, the Dodgers starters. They just need to, you know, pull up all the other ends of it. Yeah, I, I'm pumped about the Sunday night baseball game. It's going to be another good pitching matchup. Hopefully we, we get to see that one this week. Yeah, I swear if Max Free loses another Sunday night baseball game, I'm going to be a little ticked off with the weather gods. Yeah, that should be a real fun game to watch. And hopefully... Um, you know, like you said, I hope the starters can kind of do well against that, that Dodger lineup and the Dodger starters. Yeah. Um, the last time Max Freed and Trevor Bauer faced each other was in the, uh, NLDS last year. So I'm excited to see that again. All right. Now the Phillies this week, they have, they start with three on the road at the Reds. Game one is Velasquez versus Miley. Um, game two, Nola versus Gray. Game three, Howard versus Gutierrez. Uh, my keys were the Reds are a very bad team. The Phillies need to get some road wins against a very bad team. And uh, now that we've moved to June, let's see if Nola can turn the page and start pitching a little bit better overall. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, so we already do have some results in here. Um, we know that the, the Braves ended up winning last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are losing tonight. Um, the Phillies, they got Vlaskas got rocked last night. Uh, his first really bad start since he's been with the with the Phils, um, filling in and then the starting role. Uh, Nola tonight was on point, uh, and the Phils are absolutely crushing the Reds right now, thirteen three. So, um, looks like that that one's going to be kind of a, a split series after after tonight. Um, so I, I'll be interested to see how Spencer Howard does tomorrow. Um, and then looking ahead here, we have three coming up this weekend against the, the Nationals. Uh, Zach Wheeler, you know, my, my NL Cy Young pick, uh, taking on uh, Lester. And then you have Eflin versus Scherzer, uh, which is a game I'll be at. So um, don't know how many runs I'm going to see, but I'm hoping that there's a lot more for the Phillies this week. Um, Velazquez, again, will be back. Uh, see how he can bounce back uh, in the finale against uh, Ross. Um, Phillies coming home. They have the national team who's last in the division. It's a matter of can the offense show up and the bullpen hold leads. If they do, the Phillies probably take two out of three, especially uh, if they get uh, Bryce Harper back for the starting this weekend. Yeah, I think that's going to be big for the Phillies, getting some uh, missing pieces back and getting them back into the groove again. Yeah, Flaskes can shake off that start last night, and if F1 can pitch – like we've seen Eflin pitch, that that should be a good series for them, mm-hmm. I think. My big question is going to be with Scherzer. He has been pretty inconsistent this year. Yeah. He's had some really dominating games where he's looked like his old self. He's had games where he's looked extremely mortal. I'm hoping for a mortal game from him this weekend. Well, uh, yeah, of course you are, especially since you'll be there. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'm just wondering which one's going to show up. Yeah, it, it really – there seems to be no rhyme or reason to which one shows at the ballpark that day. And stat-wise for him, I mean, he's, he's – ERA is 234 and he's got 95 strikeouts, so the strikeout numbers are there. But I think the team as a whole is just not good enough to to win all of those games. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish that uh, Wheeler and Eflin were switched. Uh, mm-hmm. Watching a Wheeler-Shirtzer game would be something. That would be a lot of fun. 
Yeah. And it would be watching, you know, the older guy who had dominated the NL East for the last couple of years kind of transition to the newer guy who's starting to dominate the NL East. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that would be really neat. Sadly, it didn't work out that way. Um, so for the Cubs, they start at home versus San Diego this week, three games. Uh, the matchups were Stewart versus Paddock, Hendricks versus Weathers, and Alzley versus LeMay. Um, my keys personally were they need to take advantage of the friendly confines. The hitters need to focus on the Padre pitching because they're going to face them again in a week in San Diego. Um, the starters have been pitching really well, same with the bullpen. They just need to keep doing what they've been doing. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, um, last night I know they won 7-2 to two against the Padres tonight as of um, the beginning of the segment, they were up four to three. Hendricks had a bit of a rough start tonight, um, but um, you know, pitch counts were, were okay. And, you know, you're going to give up some runs when you pitch like Hendricks does. Um, he's given up, I think, 15 homers this year uh, from a pitching standpoint. So, um, it, yeah, they do need to take advantage of being at home and playing the Padres in San Diego next week, um, you know, back-to-back series with the giants in the middle um you know that they really need to play well this week at home um i'm interested to see how azalai pitches tomorrow night um it's kind of a bigger stage for him i think as far as teams that they've played against um where he's pitched um the cardinals he that game that was a good game for him so i'm hoping you see more of that pitching wise um and then they play uh, four starting thursday against um the giants uh, Davies will be Davies, Arietta, and an unannounced starter for that series uh, for the first three, and then Hendricks and Cueto on Sunday. Um, that should be fun to watch. Um, Cueto is fun; he brings a lot of passion to it. Um, and Hendricks is more the finesse pitcher, so it'll be interesting to see how that matchup plays out. Uh, if Davies can kind of maintain what he's been doing the last week or so, um, and if Arietta can. Pitch like he did against the Pirates. I think they'll be in good shape for that that series, at least pitching wise. Um, the big question will be if you know if they can bring the bats on the road like they have the last couple of weeks um, with the bats. Hopefully they can um, you know really have a good series on the road hitting. All right, so um, I had two series that I'm also looking forward to in the upcoming week. Uh, the first one is an AL West matchup: Oakland at Seattle. Um, and then the other series I was looking forward to over the weekend, uh, the Mets, the Padres, you know, that's a matchup of, you know, NL East one versus NL West two, although that could, you know, that might flip flop by the time that series happens, you know, the way as tight as that race has been out there in the West. Um, I, I think those are going to be really good matchups overall. The hitting's going to be there. The pitching's going to be there. It's, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, um, the series that I have that I'm looking forward to this week, uh, it's biggest rivalry in baseball, Red Sox at at the Yankees. Um, and uh, we were looking at – we were talking about Freed and um, Trevor Bauer this week for Sunday Night Baseball. It's actually not the Sunday Night Baseball game I just saw as I went through it. Um, it, it looks like that uh, the Sunday Night Baseball is actually going to be Red Sox-Yankees. I wonder if that was a late bump. Uh, it, it may have been a late bump here. Um, and uh, so uh, you have Eovaldi versus Undecided in game one, Rodriguez versus uh, uh, Taylon in game two, and Richards versus German in game three. Um, so, I mean, 
it sucks yanks it's yeah gonna be a fun series usually so that's always a good series to watch uh joe were you looking at any other series this week uh the cardinals the dodgers a little bit um kind of like seeing um one of those kind of older school rivalries kind of see how they play out um kind of see how the arms match up there um and and tigers white Sox. i think you know the white Sox are Seven and three in their last ten, and the Tigers are four and six thanks to that sweep of the Yankees. So, um, that that's always a series that kind of like the Cubs and the Reds or the Cubs and the Pirates, where sometimes you just have one of those series that doesn't go quite your way. And so, I mean, that could be a, a fun series to watch, at least from that standpoint. Yeah, I would agree. All right, so let's look at uh, Pickham now. All right, so this past week, um, Atlanta, the scores are incomplete right now because we have the two games to make up. Um, so far, the Braves for last week are one and two. They split the Boston series, and they started the Mets series 0-1 and again. Um, that we're just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen on the uh, makeup games. The Cubbies last week, um, they went 5-1, and 3-0, and 2-1. and I nailed the weekly guess correct. And then, unfortunately, I flip-flopped which series was going to be the sweep and which series was going to be the two or three. So I picked up a point there. Uh, Jason and Joe each picked up a half point guessing the uh, guessing the, the uh, red series correctly. For the Phillies this past week, um, they went two and four, two and two, zero oh and two. So all three of us guessed the weekly correct. I did not get the series correct. You both nailed them, so you both picked up a perfect week against the Phillies. Or I'm sorry, for the Phillies, excuse me. Our wildcard team last week was the Nationals, and we were all completely off base on that one. Um, Joe, you were hoping they were going to go four and two, two and one, two and one. Me and Jason were uh, a bit more pessimistic at three and three, two and one, one and two. They decided to totally pessimistic us and go one and five, one and two, zero oh and three. All right, looking at the picks this upcoming week, um, I guess that the Braves are going to go five and two, three and one, two and one. Jason and Joe both guessed four and three. Jason guessed two and two, two and one. Joe went three and one, one and two. Um, if it's not going to be my prediction, which I hope it is, I hope it's more uh, Joe's than Jason's. No, it's <laughs> Jason. Um, the Cubs this upcoming week, um, I'm guessing that they're going to go four and three, two and one, two and two. I think that's also what Joe picked. Jason was a little more pessimistic this week with the Cubs going out west for the first time all year. Um, he guessed three and four, one and two, two and two. For the Phillies this week, um, it looks like we're all going to we're all guessing they're going to have a bounce back week. Finally, um, the Reds will help that. So we all guessed. Uh, I'm sorry, me and Jason guessed four and two, two and one, two and one. Joe slightly more pessimistic, three and three, one and two, two and one. And then our wild card team, uh, we got one of the better teams this week. We have St. Louis. Um, I'm guessing St. Louis this week is going to go four and three, one and two, three and one. Uh, Jason and Joe were more pessimistic. They're going three and four, one and two, and two and two. All right. And then I'm sorry, the season standings, because Jason is chomping at the a bit over there for me to say this. Um, Jason is uh, for, what is this, the third week in a row now, fourth mm-hmm. week. Uh, Jason's holding on to the top spot. He's got 18 points. Joe has passed me. He is up to 15 and a half points, and I'm sitting in third at 15 points. Um, as you can see, uh, depending on how you guess these weeks, you can have a pretty big swing. I didn't think we'd see swings, uh, bouncing around as quickly as we have the last couple weeks. So, you know, we'll have to see how things roll over the next couple weeks. Yeah. Two weeks ago was kind of my big week where, uh, I believe I had two perfect weeks in that, in that set. 
that kind of uh, propelled me uh, up a little bit. So have to try and uh, hold you two off now for the rest of the season. Have a uh, three quarters of a season left to go. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. We're going to try our best <laughs> to knock you right back off again. And I don't mind missing two perfect weeks with the Cubs, considering what what it did for us in the standings. So yeah, it's never bad. I'll to cut miss, my losses. Yeah, it's never bad to miss a perfect week when your team dramatically overachieves. All right, everybody, that's going to be it for us this week. Um, you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spreaker. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcasts. May your dogs always cost a dollar and may your beer always be cold. Have a good night, everybody.